Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey everybody, this is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. Uh, thank you all for joining us, and we've got Michelle joining us from Florida. Hey, Michelle. Yay! Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. Um, so here we are already on December 7th. Uh, I am blown away by how the time has passed, and uh, it just means we're having fun, right, when time yes. passes that quickly. Um, <laughs> what's going on with you? We usually take a few minutes uh, at the beginning of the show and kind of catch up with everything. <laughs> Talk to me. Well, okay, so I'm going to start with something positive. Um, we discovered last week that we have listeners not only in the United States and Canada, but also England, the United Arab Emirates, France, Japan, mm -hmm. Ireland, and Australia. And for those of you listening into this episode, we would love it if you like it and share it, particularly if you share it with somebody in a different country, someone you know who lives in a different country. Um, or is staying in a different country, hiding out from uh, COVID-19 or whatever that is, um, because we'd love to collect some passport stamps and see that we're growing our community of, uh, Scott of people. Michelle, travel around the world. <laughs> Via our podcast, <laughs> all while social distancing. <laughs> what is it we need to call this now? The Michelle and Scott Great Adventure? Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> it has been it has been a great adventure i would say <laughs> yeah and and for those of you listening again um, just to underscore what michelle was saying we are on uh, a number of different platforms now uh, and we're very grateful for all that so again welcome to our new folks who've joined us from pandora and amazon music and audible mm -hmm. and radio.com there's a mm. bunch of them that have picked Spotify. up our, our, <laughs> our feed so thank you very much mm -hmm. and the more you subscribe the more we're going to be able to do this because it helps uh, our metrics which in turn helps us understand what it is you're looking for and how we can best serve you so mm -hmm. uh, again thank you all for what you've done and feel free to follow us on Twitter, keeping YST, or find our Facebook group, keeping your shit together Facebook group, <laughs> where what, whatever, whatever floats your, your boat, we'd love to hear from you and know what topics are of interest to you. See, now here's the thing I love about doing shows with you, Michelle. We, we literally, I'm, it's almost like we're an old married couple. I don't know we have our <laughs> own significant my, others. You're my work because husband. In my, because in, in my head, I literally started saying, we need to just say whatever floats your boat and damned if you didn't say it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> well, um, I don't, that was really so, exciting so, news for me this week. That's wonderful. Um, so you were starting with good news. Is there bad news? <laughs> well, right before we hopped on the call, I just struggle sometimes with how long things take you when you're trying to get a bunch of stuff off your to-do list. And the one thing that you think is going to be, I don't know, 15 minutes ends up taking like 45 minutes and still isn't resolved. Like I'm having some tech issues <laughs> with my phone. I'm having some um, open enrollment issues with insurance. And so uh, I will tell you that since this is keeping your shit together, that <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it just helps to have a friend to share these things with. Like that is a big secret to keeping your shit together. And it helps to have like someone, if you, for those of you that are in a partnership, I hope you have someone like Scott and I do and you know, Scott with Carolyn and me with Brian, because I just ran out and said, 
Brian, can you rub my temples? Cause I'm about to hop on the podcast and I'm running late. And he was like, what's happening, honey. And you know, he's working from home. So he, he was uh, able to give me my five minute booster shot, my emotional booster shot. So yeah, you, you know, every now and then you need, uh, it's like literally it, it, Carolyn's my, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and I don't mean that in a rude way. It's, it's no. that safety net of being able to go, WTF, what right. the hell has happened to this dumpster <laughs> fire of 2020, right? I know. Uh, I know. And, and I don't and, think and, I don't think the beginning of 2021 is looking too promising at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, many, many of you know that in my other career, I'll put on my lawyer hat for a moment. Um, I work a lot with first responders, in particular firemen and police mm-hmm. officers. Yeah. And there's a, they work in such high stress, constantly evolving, many times life threatening dynamic situations where they have to make split second life altering decisions at times, right? I know. There's a, there's a type of humor that both professions have. And if you looked at it out of a vacuum, if you looked at it out of context, right? It sounds rude. It sounds uncaring. Yeah, it sounds harsh. You know, lack of apathy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that, that for the most part, I mean, I'm generalizing here, but for the most part, it's a way of blowing off steam mm-hmm. and letting them make fun of a situation that for the person involved in it is not you know, very meaningful mm-hmm. and not fun mm-hmm. and scary and sad and angry, you, you know, pick mm-hmm. all those, but it's their way. It's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And particularly firefighters, they, they live together mm-hmm. and that becomes a family in and of itself. And you do need to have, and I'm going to bring this now back to you and me. Yeah. I think you do need to have the ability to safely share I do too. Yeah. The the rudeness, safely share the irony, safely share the, 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 yeah, whatever they call it kind of humor. Cause it's used in different ways and different by different folks, but right. that type of, of humor that again, you take it out of context. It's not funny. Like dark, dark humor. Yeah. Kind of but it's, yeah. it's exactly morbid, that whole morbid thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. where you share it, you get it out. It's like a volcano yeah. spouting for somewhat, right? Um, yeah. you, you blow this off and mm-hmm. then it's gone and you can cope with it a little bit more. Right. And right. so uh, I, again, it's, it's one of those things where um, you really do need to have, I think someone, and this kind of is going to lead into our discussion today, but you kind of do need, need someone that you feel safe sharing the WTF moments with, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. that you're asking them to fix anything, but what you're doing is you're saying, I am experiencing this trigger. I'm experiencing this, this problem. I'm experiencing this harsh reality, at least to me. And I just need to fricking blow it off. Exactly. And complain. Yeah. Exactly. I I see it in, because I work with a lot of healthcare workers, so surgeons, nurses, social workers, even therapists, like, you know, we have a sensitivity level, but that sensitivity level has to have an outlet, right? Like you, you, there's a reason why there's a diagnosis called compassion fatigue, or I had a call earlier today with someone in the organ and tissue donation field, and we were talking about um, a coworker who had died in the field, a pretty well-known person in the field. And there's this mix of needing to mourn and honor, and also even missing that person who used to understand the dark humor. So, you know, whether we're watching dark humor on a TV show, or you're recognizing it in some of the people that you, uh, you work with on a daily basis. I, I appreciate that, that Scott and my partner, Brian can be my dark humor buddies. <laughs> it is part of keeping my personal shit together. <laughs> well, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to say this without going into too much detail. Um, in a former life, I wanted to be a doctor and <laughs> in, in order to do that, um, I worked in an emergency room for a number of years Mm -hmm. as an EMT, and I was assigned to help with emergency surgeries and things like that. Mm 
-hmm. And then I worked on two paramedic units because I wanted to get all the time in and do these things. And, you know, there's, when you're at a, at a station and you're sleeping and the alarm goes off at three in the at three in the morning for what they call a full arrest, a heart attack. And you go out and somebody has decided to play a mind game with everybody and call in a phony address. Mm. And you've got all this adrenaline that builds oh, up. Awful. You're expecting to go. You're ex- it happens a lot. You, you, you expect to go and save someone's life. You show up and it's an, a vacant lot. Mm-hmm. There's this adrenaline that has nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Bear in mind that when you reach any crisis of any kind during this, your own assessment should be, what's my adrenaline level? Have I now worked up right. where I need to blow this off with exercise or mm-hmm. a, a, a ribald joke or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, your dark humor, buddy, whatever it is. Uh, and again, it kind of ties in greatly with what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there are times when we get activated. Mm-hmm. And you need a, a safe haven right. to, to reset. Right. That. Now, let's say if some of our listeners out there don't have a dark humor buddy. I'm going to share a tip. Like, I love my weighted blanket. So long before I had a partner who was my dark humor buddy, I, I haven't read the research on weighted blankets, but I swear to you, there is something um, we've seen it with uh, autism on the spectrum clients. We've seen it with anxiety. We've seen it with grief and loss. The idea I of use having one. you do. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weighted blanket. My dog, my dog does not like it. But <laughs> my dog. I, and for the, just so you want to hear my little thing just and I, I want yeah. you to continue please but my dog little Presley uh, the most interesting dog in the world <laughs> uh, literally at four o'clock in the morning every morning will get up off the bed where she sleeps and crawl up and wait for me to pull the covers back and then she cuddles on my shoulder Aww. and then falls asleep and snores and when, and when the weighted blanket is on it's too heavy on her oh okay so I I, I, I so I I I compromise my, my weighted blanket for cuddling my dog. I'm for cuddling sorry, with ahead. the dog, which I would say cuddling a dog. If you, you know, uh, one of the secrets of a hundred happy people, that research book that I've mentioned before on life satisfaction is people who own pets or furry creatures tend to report having more satisfied lives than those who don't currently. I don't but I have had them in the past and I do miss my, my lovable furry creatures and hope I, to I have one go back again to the way uh, I want <laughs> to go back blanket? to the weighted blank. Yeah. I interrupted uh-huh. you and I apologize oh, for that. That was um, it. it was type, just a... a type a coming out. So. <laughs> it was okay. It was just an alternative suggestion. Cause you know, sometimes we want that dark humor buddy and we're either in a place where we're mourning, um, you know, our best friend or the death of someone close or a partner, um, you know, so we, we need alternatives too. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you what, one more tip and, and I'm not going to use full names for, for sake of privacy, but Alicia, I see that you're out walking this morning. Yay! That's another great, that's another great way to get out and blow off steam. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> plus, plus I see yourself. Oh, oh and pick, picking, picking flowers flower. and, and I see your South Park jacket so <laughs> oh with and, and you have a furry friend <laughs> oh i love it i love it thank you for sharing <laughs> you've you've covered all the bases um, she just needs to be carrying a weighted blanket <laughs> just kidding <laughs> yeah so this actually if you don't mind michelle this is a good segue oh, into yeah. uh, what, what i wanted to talk about today and that's the no story approach to living yeah. And for, for me, the, this means a lot because some of you may have heard me talk about the Shunyata Code uh, that I've periodically uh, put out through social media and done some Zoom uh, group sessions for it. What I'd love to talk about today is kind of the, the frame for that. We're not going to go into the Shunyata Code because we don't need to for this part of the discussion. Right. Uh, but it's, it's the entire concept is we as human beings, because we don't like 
a vacuum. We don't like not knowing. We don't like a mystery. Uh, we might like to learn a mystery, but we like to solve things. We want resolution. And we are wonderful at telling stories. And I go back to uh, Abraham Maslow, and I've used this many times mm. in my various companies, mm -hmm. when you realize, and I tell people, and I mentor people, or I talk to jurors even, and I explain to them that Abraham Maslow said, when the only tool you have is a hammer, pretty soon <laughs> everything starts looking like a nail. <laughs> and so what we're doing with this show in general, and this segment in particular, is giving you a different tool. And helping right. you to understand that these stories we tell ourselves, particularly in times of stress, are learned, they can be changed, mm -hmm. and you don't have to be victim to them anymore. Um, and that's a big thing for me when I work with my coaching clients, Michelle, and before I get into kind of my philosophy of a no story approach and how to actually work your way through that, because I want to mm -hmm. give people some really strong tips today. How do you see stories play out in either a negative or a positive way when you do relationship coaching? Oh, well, we talk about when you're first dating someone and excited about it, you often make a positive assumption when things go wrong, meaning, you know, there's a little miscommunication or, you know, somebody's running late or I don't know, some, some kind of annoyance comes up and you make a positive assumption. The person has good intentions. Uh, they've got my back. It's all okay. And as a relationship continues, this can be a working relationship. It can be a romantic relationship. It can be a friendship. We can begin to make the negative assumption. We begin to tell stories in our head that automatically assume this person doesn't really pay attention to me. They're not really listening to me. They don't really care about me. And I would say some of those negative assumptions are learned from childhood family of origin, it, you know, maybe 80% in the past and 20% in the present, even in a long-term relationship, we can make those negative assumptions based off of 80% of the past instead of what's really going on in the present moment. And, and then react with anger or fear or attacking um, when we could really just take some deep breaths, calm down, ask some curious questions, get to, you know, often the story in our head is not what is going on with the other person. Often. And you bring up, you, and I will underscore that as well by saying, you know, realize that your perceptions and your reactions have a lot to do with your negative experiences or what you've, what you've told yourself as a negative experience in the past because we've talked about this before, pain and pleasure, right? You'll, mm -hmm. you know, Tony Robbins loves to say you'll do more to avoid pain than you will to get pleasure. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that also means you're going to remember painful experiences mm -hmm. more than you will the pleasurable ones because mm -hmm. it's pain avoidance. And mm -hmm. if you're remembering the negative more, then you're going to tell yourself stories and you're going to create this whole um, rigmarole for lack yeah. of a way to uh, better yeah. way to put it, um, this whole vicious cycle of ways around yeah. the pain you think that you will re-experience exactly. from the past. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I pulled up, it's very interesting because we've talked about it on the show before. Mm -hmm. uh, and it comes about, uh, the, the lady's name, let me find the, the doctor's name. She did this wonderful uh, study. Her name is Dr. Jill Bolte. I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, B-O-L-T-E, Taylor. And she built on, um, many of you have heard before Viktor Frankl, and he wrote a lot about surviving the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And he had this, he had a wonderful quote. She built on this. The quote is, when we can no longer change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Everything can be taken from a human, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. Yeah. And she built Beautiful. on this. She, and she built on this and she, she wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. And she's the one that actually came up with the concept 
that um, human emotions last for 90 seconds. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about, you know, that we growing up, it's like when you get angry, count to 10. Mm -hmm. It's not count to count to 90. And, <laughs> and here's the simple trick. If you wait 90 seconds, the emotion that you're feeling goes away. If it doesn't, you've told yourself a story. It's uh -huh. literally that simple. So the emotion, there's a chemical reaction. There's a visceral reaction when you experience something. Mm -hmm. Okay. We, we are sentient beings. That means that we're responding to things. Mm -hmm. We are reacting to things. Very rarely do we actually proactively go out and do anything. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that really distinguishes you from other people if you're very proactive. So when this reaction happens, if you'll wait 90 seconds, it goes away and then catch yourself. That's kind of one of the, the keys that I teach people. Catch yourself at that point. Let it run its course for 90 seconds. Just lean into it, do the whole Pema Chodron, you know, bodhicitta. It's, I, if I'm experiencing pain or anger or hunger or sadness or despair, let me feel that for the rest of the world. Let me lean into that. And after 90 seconds, you kick yourself in the ass and say, we're done now. And if you can't do that, she doesn't say that, I do. Um, <laughs> if, she, if you can't do that after 90 seconds, and I've been there, folks, if you can't do it at that point, now you start asking, what is the story that I'm telling myself? Yeah. Am I going back to a prior event? Am I going back to some narrative that I've heard my family talk about for very long? Am I getting into transgenerational or epigenerational DNA chemical mm -hmm. crap? Um, am I, you know, doing, am I coming up with something that I saw in a movie and I'm now modeling what I saw uh, die hard pops to mind. Am I, am I modeling something I saw in die hard? Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to find that something like that is happening. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, folks. We're, we're watching Alicia. She's walking and, and I'm just, I, I like die it. hard. <laughs> um, and so I, I look at all of that and, mm -hmm. and here's my little trick and tip. Um, We've, we've talked before about SUDS, right? The subjective yes. units of distress scale. Yes. And today we really are using it in that terminology, that technical term, not what you and I, Michelle, have joked about the subjective units of, yes, of, of delight. Desire right? or Desire delight. and yeah. I, I replace the D a lot with folks. Um, <laughs> today though, it today though, I really am, am asking us, let's become aware of our stories. Uh, and, and one of the simplest ways is number one, be aware that you're telling a story that happens yes. after 90 seconds. Yes. And number two, once you've said, okay, look, I'm telling a story. I don't know what it is right now. Ask the question, is it helping me or is it hurting me? Right. Is it making the situation better or is it making it worse? If it's making it better, you don't need what we're about to tell you. Right. Yeah, just okay. keep you that don't one. need. <laughs> yeah, keep that. Whatever's happening. If it's not serving you well, then the question becomes: Now, using suds on a scale of zero, mm -hmm. zero being calm, balanced, no story, um, very ho'oponopono, right? It's at the it, at the center of all peace. You stand. Think of the zero uh, literally as the place of complete peace. Uh, it, for those of you who just want a little background, I'll, I'll annotate for one quick second. Um, you know, zero didn't exist all the time. And the Shunyata code actually came out of the, the, the whole uh, Shunya zero concept that I believe came out of India. And it was until that was adopted, we didn't even have ways of making the world work. Zero is a very important place yeah. to be. We wouldn't have computers uh, without zeros. Yeah. And so I look at zero as the place of absolute peace, no highs, no lows. Mm -hmm. It's the place from which you emanate into the world. And I could go on and on philosophically. Mm -hmm. You ask yourself if that's where zero is and I'm activated, 
if we take zero being calm, peace, the center of all love, et cetera, and mm -hmm. 10 being I'm wigged out of my head, you might as well commit me today. The world <laughs> is a dumpster fire and I don't have an extinguisher, right? <laughs> yes. Somewhere between there, you'll find yourself. And the reason it's called a subjective unit of distress is because it's you, you know, you know, when you go to the doctor, they do the same thing with pain. It's a pain scale on a scale of, of zero to 10. How bad does it hurt? Mm. I don't know. It's a four. The doctor is not coming back and saying, no, it isn't. <laughs> what they're using it for is a way of rating where you are so that they have metrics that they can compare how you feel after the treatment or the medication or whatever it is that they mm. give you. Um, and so with hypnosis and NLP and some of the language and skills that I use with folks, it's, it literally is, let's, let's come to some instant transformation. If you tell me you're at a six right now on a subjective unit of distress, I want you less than six. I don't care if it's a five or a four, mm -hmm. I'd love you to get mm -hmm. to zero. It's mm -hmm. anything less than that. Absolutely. And, and so for me, the next step is literally saying, okay, on a scale of zero to 10, where am I? How wigged out am I? How angsty am I? How anxious? How depressed? How concerned? How fearful? You are, right? Yeah. And Michelle, do you do something similar to that with, with any of your clients? Sure. I mean, scaling questions are really useful in all kinds of psychotherapy situations, right? So whether we're scaling anxiety or depression, or we're using an official thing that that any of you could access if you felt like doing a litmus test of, of your mood. Um, one of the free ones is the PHQ-9, uh, PHQ-9-GAD-7. If you Google search that with a space in between, you can find that it's a free thing that most doctors use to try to do where someone is in terms of their symptomology. And then you get a score from it. And we want to see the score improving with treatment. Even if it's just a little bit, we want to see our clients having relief, ideally zeros, right? All the way down to zero at peace, at balance, no sleeping issues, et cetera. But there's everything from um, how, uh, you know, how wonderful is your relationship? How much do you love your job? Scaling questions have lots of room to help people see their progress. So yeah, we use yeah, it all the and time. So and so for me, again, the idea is zero is no story, no mm -hmm. highs, no lows, right? It's yep. zero. It's, it's, it's baseline. If you're even at a one, you've told yourself a story. Mm. If you feel yourself a little activated, tiny little bit, there's a story there. And so here's some questions you can ask. Whose story is it? <laughs> There's something we usually don't ask, right? It's just it's true. Most of us have grown up believing if it if it feels like this, and I'm for those of you who are listening in a replay, I'm you know spinning my hand here because that's generally how my clients talk about bad energy. It's this little frenetic spinning in their body. Mm -hmm. you know, whose freaking story is it? Mm -hmm. We 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 really don't care. At least I don't care where the story came from. That's a therapeutic mm -hmm. approach. I'm saying just I, I be care aware. about it. <laughs> you do. It, and uh -huh. it's, it's not to dismiss it. You want to, you want to eventually explore where the story came from. Absolutely. I'm talking yeah. about a first aid kit right now right. where you simply say, I've got a freaking story coming and, and I don't even know whose story it is. Mm -hmm. You might not know. So there's a way to break the frame. Um, and then the other thing we've talked about this before is going back to, uh, you know, is the story even true? Right. What you're telling yourself, is this even true for me now? Mm -hmm. It might've been true in your past life. It might've been, when I say past life, you know, it, it, in another in marriage, past. in another relationship, <laughs> in another, you know, when, when you were growing up as a kid, hell, it may be a past life belief. Really but, <laughs> Who knows? But, the, but the reality is for you, is it true right now? Right. Can Again, I say, we're creating a pattern interrupt. Yeah. If you look back on our episode about getting your, your money together, which, which we go into further depth in the 
retreat, the home retreat that we just launched, um, which is available for any of you interested in some in-depth work. G-Y-S-T-H-R.com. Yeah. Yeah. Get your shit together. Home retreat. That's what that stands for. But anyway, um, when we talk about money, if we even take relationships out of it, we just look at our stories. We tell ourselves about money. Can the stories you're telling yourself about money or success be inhibiting your ability to reach your goals? And I often find that it's true. You know, where did we learn? Oh, the saying money is the root of all evil. That can't be at a zero because that puts emotion on money and money is just a paper exchange, you know, value exchange money itself does not have any emotions. So when we put emotions tied to money, we are definitely telling ourselves a story about it. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm looking something? something up here real quick, <laughs> real, real quick. No, no, no. I'm looking up something <laughs> real quick because I, I want to pass on this uh, to folks. We, we talked before uh, about the whole concept that I first heard of from Tim Ferriss, uh, but it's the concept of saying arigato mm-hmm. when you give money away, when you're paying for money. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it comes out of Japan and I can't think of the guy's name real quick. I did jump out of money. my head. It, the book it, is Happy, happy money. money. Thank you. Oh, I love you. Thank you. That's what I was looking up real quick. Um, yes. Book. And so it, 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 if you look up happymoney.com mm-hmm. and. It's a actually, financial coach. Yeah, let me. It's, we have it's no actually, association with him, by the way. We so. don't. <laughs> we just happen um, to like the book. What you're looking for is a, a guy by the name of Ken Honda, H-O-N-D-A. Right. right. The book is Happy Happy Money, and it's the Japanese art of making peace with your money. And again, it's an approach to telling better stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About it how is. you relate, and mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, where I'm going with the whole no story approach to living is. At some point, when you realize you're activated, when you realize at some point you're not at zero, mm-hmm. and that whether it's a one or it's a 10, the, the real defining question, I think, is, do I want to continue feeling this way? <laughs> yes, good question. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's and, like, and if, if yes, you, this doesn't apply. It, like, if it feels good, keep on moving. Yeah. In, <laughs> but it's if the, the if answer, no. Mm-hmm. then it becomes for me a conscious decision to move to zero. Yeah. And with the understanding, it's kind of, a, it's a mantra at zero, there is no story. And by the way, that is a mantra that I use on my walking meditations. Mm, I will, no story. particularly if I'm activated, but even when I'm not at zero, there is no story. At zero, there is no story. At zero, there is no story. <laughs> and then ultimately, it moves down for those of you who've been through the Shinyata code with me. Uh, it, it is literally shortened to just at zero. Because at zero, you, your mind now clicks in with the there is no story. There yeah. is no story. Now, if you haven't been through the Shinyata code, or you want a simple, easy, uh, very powerful way to do this, it's, it's a visualization tool. This is a mental construct. Imagine a sliding scale. For those of us old enough to remember slide rules, I, I generally <laughs> use those. Yes, I'm old enough to have used slide rules. Hell, my dad had an abacus. I was um, going to ask about an abacus. <laughs> um, you know, the, the idea is picture a sliding scale, which is exactly, by the way, what mm-hmm. SUDS is. Yes. You've got zero for me. It's at the far left and you've got 10 at the far right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and visualizing your head to the extent that you can, if you need to draw it out on paper, then do that. As a matter of fact, in our home retreat, we even go through uh, a, a four theme version of this where we have people uh, go through and look at their different uh, main themes in their life and rate them and then see how well that's working for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this, 
picture it in a linear fashion. Take a piece of paper, draw a line out, put zero at the left, 10 at the right. If you want to reverse it, knock your socks off. Mm -hmm. It's completely irrelevant. This is for you. Zero being peace, calm. I'm at the center of all peace and nothing can harm me here. Uh, At zero, there are no stories. So zero is no stories going on. And then you just rate where you are right now and draw it on there so that you can visually see it. And here's how simple this is. Now you simply move the button, the scale, the slide to the left. Ah, You visualize it going to the left. Um, We we use a lot of this, by the way, with pain control. Uh, If we're doing hypnotic suggestions or NLP work where you can, you can kind of see like a fuel gauge in the car. Yes. You, you can, you can visualize that going down so that the, the uh, triggering is less or the pain is less. Mm-hmm. You, you will be amazed how simply saying, here's the scale, here's where I am. I want to be at zero. And then you visualize moving it. You can do it with your eyes open. You can do it with your eyes closed. Please don't do this <laughs> while your driving. eyes closed if you're operating a car <laughs> or having or machinery vehicle. or anything that would be dangerous. <laughs> you can do it with your eyes open. It's a conscious decision to say, wait a minute, I'm feeling a five. I want to be at zero. At zero, there are no stories. Boom. And you move the scale down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great tool. Great tool to kind of get yourself grounded in how to take control over your own thought process. Right. We, we just really get in our heads about those stories and they wreak havoc on our emotions. The whole premise of cognitive behavioral therapy is that what you think affects your physiological responses in your belly, your stomach tightening, your muscle tension, da da da, blood pressure. It affects your mood mad, sad, happy, afraid, and it affects your, um, your behaviors, what you're willing to do physically. Do I take a walk? Do I yell? Do I slam things? Do I write in my journal and recognizing your stories and adjusting your slide ruler, your sliding scale to what do I need to do, feel, or believe or shift about my stories to get myself back to basics. Back to and balance. you bring up a really you you bring up a very powerful point, and I know that a number of people I've worked with constantly ask if I'm activated or agitated. Where do you feel it in your body? Yes, yes. How do you feel it in your body? Yeah. Um, and it's taken me quite a while to understand that. And here's the fun part of doing at zero: there are no stories. You can do this with nothing more than I want to be at zero. At zero, there are no stories. Relax. At zero, relax. At zero, feel it in your shoulders drip off. At zero, feel your head and your scalp and your face relax. At zero, feel your gut relax. At zero, feel yourself planted and the earth is supporting you, right? You can do all of those things and not even talk about the emotion that's going on. Mm -hmm. Because the physicality of at zero, when you tie it in with your body reaction, will instantly also help de-stress you. Yeah. 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 Um, It's a good tool. What what do you do out out of curiosity, Michelle, when, if a client shows up in your office and they're activated, I don't know what else to, I don't, I don't know the term that you use, but they show up in this. Better than they show up. They show, they show up and they're activated for some reason. They've been, you know, back when we had face-to-face <laughs> and people would drive and they're stuck in traffic and they show up and it takes them 15 minutes to decompress just from the traffic and parking and things like that. I'm laughing but, you know, because now, it's how I entered our, our pre-call. <laughs> I was activated. I was I wasn't going to fest. I wasn't going to fess up about that. That's all right. But, but you know, now you have te- we have technical stuff, right? Technical issues yeah. and people sure. get jump on... What do you do? What, what, do, what do you suggest mm-hmm. for use with a client mm-hmm. um, when they show up and, you know, let's assume I'm supposed to be with you. I'm running late. I, I get on. It's two minutes late. I don't even know if you're still going to be there. Blah, blah, blah. What, That's what do you usually my story for those of you listening. <laughs> but and I, I usually say to Michelle, breathe. 
Yeah. You usually say breathe. I would say I, you know, whether I'm the receiver of care or the giver of care, I attempt to be a safe space for the person to do a little venting. And then typically, you know, when their skill set is high, they will work themselves out through doing kind of what we talked about, adjusting the story, um, you know, starting to breathe, kind of calming themselves down, reprioritizing. But when they first enter therapy or have been in with me for a while, I have to model that for them or teach that for them. I, as the giver of the care, I am the calm, the calming element. I'm the chamomile tea. So people who maybe are in therapy with me and somehow find this, um, this podcast, they probably see a very different version of, of who I am. It's all genuine, right? But I'm aware of what hat I'm wearing. It would kind of be the same thing. Like I imagine you, Scott, you were probably very different in a trial situation than you, than you are as a life coach or as a friend, you know, we wear different hats and we can we can be a calming force for other people. And then like, again, if you have good skills, one of the things I try to teach my clients and try to do for myself is 80% of my time is focused on solutions. 20% of my time is focused on venting. So that's a rule of thumb in general, exception to the rule for those of you that are grieving or are a therapist to those who grieve or a coach for those who grieve is- Or a parent, you know, I, I'm looking at this- parent, a parent dealing with kids, having to address kids who are now, at least here in California, stuck at home yeah. and they're going to act out. They don't understand this a lot of times. Yeah. How do you hold, keep going. Cause I'm interested yeah. in how do you hold sacred space for them? So I would say the formula changes, right? Like you, you can't just get them 20% of the time on this or 80% of the time on solutions because they may need a larger percentage of time to vent and settle themselves down. Because maybe like for me as a therapist, sometimes my clients have very few safe spaces in their life. So if they spend 80% of their session venting, then I've created a, a place where they can now go out and find their own solutions. Um, outside the therapy session or the last 20 minutes we work on or last 20% we work on solutions. So recognize that I don't mean you have to narrow in someone with real legitimate trauma or grief going on into, okay, well, you know, you've spent 10 minutes talking about the problem. Let's move on to solution. You will lose your client and you will also maybe stigmatize them or make them feel judged or not heard. So recognize where it is in their life. Like I want them to spend 20% of their life having safe spaces to talk about the stresses of life and then 80% of solutions. But that 20% of their life may be an entire session with me each week. Does that make sense? Because I only see them for 50 minutes or 60 minutes um, that, you know, oftentimes they'll come and they'll say, you know, there's a lot of good things going on in my life. You know, I don't want you to just think, of course, I know there's a lot of good things going on in your life. You People don't come to therapy uh, to talk about how great life is usually. There's occasional celebratory sessions, but it would be abnormal for someone to come to therapy and their whole session is talking about how great everything is. That That's, you don't need me. <laughs> If, if that's the case, you, you, you know, I, I'm going to push back a little bit here because I, sure. I come to a realization. Uh, maybe you and I will start a new, a new revolution here, Michelle, because oh, yay. I, I, I remember the quote. I've always believed this. Sadness and depression and unhappiness will take care of itself. De- mm. Happiness needs to be shared. And I would, what a great concept if we came up with happiness therapy. (laughs) And and I don't mean, I'm sure that I'm sure, I'm sure that it's out there, but it's like, even as you said, wouldn't it be wonderful if all of our folks listening to this had these celebratory sessions oh sure it's like you you go in and maybe we'll do a show maybe we'll do a whole show and people show up uh, or they share with us just their celebrations. And it's like a feel good Sure. Show. 
And like I said, even in therapy, in the most intense cases, I will occasionally have sessions that are almost fully celebratory. But I would say the difference between life coaching and mental health counseling is that there's a lot going on with mental health counseling. And when I'm under my coaching hat or my consulting hat, it is uh, 80% solution focused. It's one of the joys of doing both types of work is it is more celebratory. It's like, I've accomplished this, this, and this, and here's what I want to tackle next. And it's a very different kind of a session. They're both, they both have value. <laughs> Absolutely. And by the, by the way, don't, you know, it, I don't take anything that we're saying in this show as, as any excuse not to get mental health help when you need it, because yeah. that, that's kind of like the whole premise of this show was right. to create a place that was the whole original intent behind the, uh, the home retreat that we have was right. to create a safe place. Whereas I like to say, right, people, the, the strong can go to be weak uh-huh. uh, with, without any stigma, without any uh, mm-hmm. of the, of the red tape that you might otherwise need to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to, I'm looking at the time here because oh, it passes yes. so quickly with you. <laughs> um, one, one of the things that I also, one last technique that I want to share with folks that has served me well. And I, I think most people will not know who I'm talking about because uh, he's now deceased and his, his books meant a lot to me as I was growing up. There was a gentleman, an author, self-help uh, type uh, individual by the name of Hugh Prather, P-R-A-T-H-E-R. And he wrote, wrote a number of, of self-help books that I just found absolutely as I was growing up enlightening. And one of the techniques that he recommended that I have used any number of times is when you're in a situation and you catch yourself, so you're using the tools that we've given you up to now, you've used the slide rule, you've said, I'm at a five, for example. Mm -hmm. One of the things to do is to pretend you're an alien from another planet. (laughs) Literally, it's pretend you're an alien from another planet and you're now looking at the same situation. However, you're bringing your objective observer. That's really what this is. It's a form of objective observer in, in the psychology realm to the situation with the understanding that the alien doesn't have a stake in this. They're not a stakeholder. They don't have judgments that they're bringing to this. Okay. The alien is simply observing. The alien is saying, wow. Here I am visiting this planet and Michelle is telling me about these technology issues and the challenges with the federal government. And it's like, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And watch how it, <laughs> watch how it instant, instantly takes you to no zero. Uh, pardon me, to no ah. story. Watch how being, whether it's an alien or pretend you're your pet, your furry friend. Yeah. Do you think for a minute that these dogs <laughs> are sitting there? saying, wow, her internet's not connecting. (laughs) What a crappy day. (laughs) You know, and and, and I I go back to our conversation, our session uh, with James Wanless, where he and I at the very end were talking about dogs and how opportunistic they are, Uh that they'll take the situation and make the best of it and it is. So whether you pretend you're a furry friend, you pretend you're, you know, I, I alien. happen, <laughs> I talk to rocks, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, if you pretend you're, you're a boulder from the backyard, you pretend you're a tree and you go hug your tree, you go out, uh, pretend you're an alien with the intent that this is going to bring you to zero and at zero, there is no story. If there is no story, then there's no activation and you're now at the center of all peace. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I really love this oh, technique. Wait. It's a great, great, um, great topic today, Scott. <laughs> oh, and, and it's fun. And, and again, just to underscore all of this, the more you use the at zero, there is no story mantra, or mm-hmm. you use the visual of the slide rule, just like your stories that have become anchored, this becomes anchored Mm -hmm. and you will gradually get to the point that as people are, you know, doing something or you're hearing something or you're reading something and it activates you, your first response, your muscle memory will now be at zero. There is no story (laughs) at zero at zero. Mm -hmm. Or you can say no story, Mm -hmm. you know, no story. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> it, it, it actually, it, it's something that has worked very well for me over the years uh, mm-hmm. to help modulate, for lack of a better way to put it, mm-hmm. that that whole distress scale. Because, you know, doing what I did for 30 years, I certainly get activated. Part of my job was to get activated. You know, mm-hmm. talk about a job, right? Mm-hmm. My job was to walk in and go to war every freaking day. Yeah. You don't go to war without getting activated. Right. Somebody had to be, you know, I, I was <laughs> listening to a song the other day uh, by Alison Krauss, who I love uh, her as a singer. And I think one of the lines, if I remember right, one of the lines from the song was, I may not have all the answers, but I know who to blame. <laughs> and, you know, bear, bear in mind, that was my job for 30 years. And it's not a healthy way to live for 30 years every day. Um, And that's how I had to come up with some of these techniques was as a way to step back from literally becoming consumed by living on this SUDS scale. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I hope this was helpful to our our listeners. And, uh, and again, you know, if you have something going on in your work or personal life that could be helpful to us, we are totally open to hearing, we, we get our inspiration from our keeping your shit together community. So keep letting us know what's helpful to you, but I yeah, love this, again, just love this quick, episode, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do, I do too. And it's, it's because it's so near and dear, I think to both of us in different yeah. ways. And just as a reminder, we do have that private Facebook group, uh, keeping your shit together. Uh, that you can join. And if you can't find it, you can reach Michelle and me. Michelle, how can they reach you? Uh, through my website's easiest, Michelle, I'm sorry, postinternationalinc.com. And you can always reach me through thinkingmagically.com. Uh, next week, we have a special guest for you. Uh, and I'm going to leave it at <laughs> that. Uh, the, the guest has been on before and actually has one of the highest rated uh, episodes that we've ever had and Mm -hmm. so the guest has agreed to come back and we're very excited about all of that and as we move into the holiday holiday season uh despite all of the other things that are going on in the world uh we trust that this episode has found you well Mm -hmm. and michelle thank you for joining me today yeah absolutely scott one more shameless uh one more shameless plug for our uh home retreat G-Y-S-T-H-R.com if you want some more support as you're going through the holiday season. Wonderful. So. <laughs> All right, folks. Until next week. Bye-bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.